Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Welcome to the Buker and Friends podcast, co-starring 10-year NBA center Ryan Hollins. Six rebounds and eight assists. Collins climbs the stairs. Down the floor. He is the high jumper. That's what I want to see. Give me some gunpowder and throw the hammer down. And now, here is your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. Welcome to another episode of Buker and Holland, subsidiary of Buker and Friends, part of the United WeCast Network. I'm Rick Buker. You can see me on FS1. You can read me on Bleacher Report. You can also hear me on Radio.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Rick Buker and on Instagram at Rick underscore Buker. He is NBA vet Ryan Hollins. You can see him on CBS. You can see him on ESPN. You can call him if you like because... Sometimes he'll answer the phone, even if we're in the middle of the show. It's time uh, for the pod. That's, that's all it was saying. It was time for the pod, baby. That's all it was saying. <laughs> okay. Oh, you had your you set your alarm? You set an alarm for when we were going to do the show. I set alarms up all the time, all the time for the show. Do you do you know? Do you always know exactly what the alarms are for? That's the question. No, no, and it gets bad. <laughs> Like when you, when you really get in the heat of it, Rick, and you've been there before, uh-huh. and everyone's asking you to call into the show, call into the show, mm. and when you go to call into these shows or you agree to call-ins, you got four or five set up in a day, and sometimes you know you know you get that four-digit uh, call, you yeah. don't know who's calling you, and then I'll, that's why I'm always big on. Hey guys, now I just tell them, hey, remind me, you know, remind me that you're calling. All right, so fair. I want to start with Zion Williamson. We are recording this before he makes his regular season debut against the San Antonio Spurs. And I would expect, actually, I I think the Spurs are still going to win. People are overvaluing 
what Zion is going to do coming back, not taking into account that the rest of the league has been playing for 50 games now. Last time we saw him was in preseason. He's never actually played at regular season game speed. And Ryan, you can speak to that. The difference between even exhibition speed versus regular season speed, the way the game's played, say the first 10, 15, 20 games of the season versus the way teams are playing 50 and beyond. Give, a, give people a sense of just how dramatically different those things are. So right now the NBA is at, at its halfway point. And I remember my first year in the league, I got in in preseason and I dunked on a couple guys. And I'm like, oh, man, this NBA is going to be cool. You know, get a couple dunks, run up and down the floor. You know, the veterans are like, man, I'm not boxing you out. I'm not doing stuff like that. And by the time you get to that kind of halfway point in the year, those veterans have whipped into shape. And I would say it's more about the NBA veterans rather than the younger guys. And you're playing against a San Antonio team that's going to have a thorough, a thorough scouting report on Zion Williams. Williamson. Now, it's going to be tough for Zion. Well, we've seen dunk fest from him. He's going to be – he's an excitable player. How many games can you run on emotion? How many games can you use that athleticism for? So – I believe he's good for a dunk or two, but, dude, it could be something simple as just catching the ball, Rick, that will throw you off your game or a guy crashing in for crashing in for a rebound or, shoot, Rick, jumping out on a pick and roll and getting back. Yep. New Orleans is one of the softer teams in the league defensively, and that's a place where they really struggle. And when you look at Zion, you ask the questions, well, is he going to be playing four or five? Now, right now at this stage in his career, five is going to be the best spot for him to play. But ultimately, how long is he going to be playing that spot? And what is it going to look like? Because like you brought out, Rick, there's not much for that adjustment. It's not necessarily going to be there. Nobody's going to be waiting. As long as this guy's the number four or number one pick in the draft or number one pick, there's a target on his back. Yeah, it is a challenge for him to get up to speed quickly. And the other part is, I don't know how many minutes he's going to play overall. I mean, this guy's been out all year. He's their number one pick. I don't know that. I don't know if people are expecting he's going to play. He's, I would expect he might play. I don't know somewhere between eighteen and twenty-five minutes at the most, right? I, I, yeah, absolutely. There, there's there should be a you know for those who don't know when a player gets back, there's a minute restriction. Um, you're going to monitor the you know what's happening. Uh, I, I want to. I'm intrigued to see if Alvin Gentry is going to run the first couple plays when he comes in the game for him. Mm-hmm. Does the number one pick in the draft come off of the bench for Derek Favors, who's the better player right now? Uh, but Zion should be moving forward. So I, I just think there's a ton of questions. And for like a guy like Zion, I do credit Alvin because Alvin is going to put him in a lot of short roll positions. Right. Uh, what I mean by the short roll, he's not necessarily going to be rolling down into a center. But the short roll means he's going to be rolling halfway. And a guy like Zion, he gets to the position because he's not a bad ball handler. He's not quite a guard, but he's a little better than a big where he can put the ball down one time mm-hmm. and then go up and dunk on somebody. And I believe Rick, forgive me if I'm wrong, that's where Zion is best. So Alvin's really good at putting him or going to be really good at putting him in those spots. Yeah. He also, he's a guy who can get numbers without running a play for him. He can go get yep. an offensive board. He can clean something up. He can just he can he can catch a, a a loose ball and take off. 
So he's going to get an opportunity to get some numbers, uh, even if they're not running things for him. And, and at this point, with the way they've been playing, they've been playing much better. It would be, it would, I think it would be a huge distraction if they suddenly try to throw the offense in his direction for what? I mean, at this point, it's still about trying to win as many games as possible and get this team moving. And by the way, we got a Brandon Ingram who's playing really well. Drew Holiday's coming off of a hot game. I just, the flow of this team, it's not going to be all about Zion. So all this talk, this ridiculous talk that I've seen in various, I can't even believe people bring it up the question, can can Zion catch John Morant for rookie of the year? Like why, why are they even debating that? I want to know, can they have 40 games left? How many of those is he going to play? realistically is is he going to be able to avoid the injury bug because so far he has not been able to that's a much bigger question the idea that he would catch John Morant is it's a ridiculous notion could it happen I guess there's like a two percent chance John Morant gets hurt and Zion doesn't and shows out for the last 40 games but even I mean what's the likelihood of that it's a more there's a greater likelihood that Zion gets hurt again I believe I give it one scenario where I'm not a voter, Rick. I believe you are. Mm-hmm. He would get my nod for rookie of the year in a sense. When I when I look at John Morant, if Zion can lead the Pelicans to the playoffs and John Morant doesn't, somehow they sneak in that eighth spot. Because we talked about this, it's pretty wide open. You've asked me a couple times. Mm-hmm. I would argue that Zion could get it if he's an integral part. Of the, and we're, we're talking a tall task here. Of the Pelicans making the playoffs, I would give my vote, Rick, to say that he should be the rookie of the year. And that's the only, that's the only scenario which I see. Let's say the Pelicans finish eighth in the playoff spot, which is a, which is a stretch that that would happen. Yeah. That's, that is oh, a, yeah. I think it's fair to say it's highly unlikely. Obviously, anything is possible. They finish eighth. The Memphis Grizzlies finish ninth. Knowing what I know about what John Morant has done for the Memphis Grizzlies and what the Pelicans are getting from so many other people in order if they make if they were to make the playoffs, Brandon Ingram would have to continue on his current tear. Lonzo Ball would have to be really good. Drew Holiday would have to be really good. Derek Favors, Jackson Hayes, like I don't see where the template is set that Zion Williamson is going to be the driving force of this team. I, I just don't see a scenario in which I could see maybe, maybe uh, New Orleans gets to the playoffs. That Zion would be as important to the Pelicans as John Morant is to the Memphis Grizzlies. That I have a hard time seeing. Well, when you when you say importance... Um, you have to understand we can't negate that Zion still has some real boomer bust potential. He's still got the ability, and why we're talking about him, that's intriguing that he can take a game over. And we he's had he's had some success in the league. Is it enough for us to, you know, really lose our minds over? I'm not gonna say that. Who, but, Ja? No, I'm talking about Zion. Oh, okay. But Zion has showed us. He showed us some promise. I don't think that's something, I know it's something that you don't just necessarily write off. No, I'm not writing it off. 
I, I, you, I look, he had a historic preseason. I still say it's preseason, as you noted. It's not people playing the same way that they do in the regular season. I mean, even that we're saying historic preseason is almost laughable. That's where we've gone with analytics these days. It's like anything that the numbers say has never been done before suddenly becomes something sensational when not not so fast. No, he's he's definitely – he's demonstrated to me his skill level, like his handle, uh, his ambidexterity around the rim is much better than I realized. His, his court vision is better than I gave him credit for. But can he shoot from range? No. Uh, can he take the ball at the three-point line, drive and finish? No. He's got to be in that one dribble, two dribble space. So... And defensively, he the little that I saw of him again preseason, but he didn't he didn't overwhelm me with what he was defensively. That's not a surprise. It's the case for most rookies. So yeah, no, no. I mean, look, he's he's still a dynamic player. It's it's he's an exciting electric player. There's no doubt. But to play the pro game, you can't just be athletic. You just can't be exciting. You can't just be a highlight reel like. You have to be able to play the game from a mental standpoint. And that's where his skills just aren't there for him to do that. And John Morant has surprised by his ability uh, you know, and, and, to do exactly that, to make the game easier for other guys. It's been, I've been blown away. I was a John Morant fan. I thought he would be Rookie of the Year. Picked it last summer. But I even did. I did not expect him to have this kind of impact on the players around him. I right, but look look at this. Uh, if we're gonna talk Zion and Ja, I think we've been very critical, me and you. But Zion Williamson, on a positive note, he's one of the quickest jumping athletes that we've Fair. seen at that size. If he can get out in the front court in transition, he'll be an absolute monster. Mm. Now, that's where you say jumping into the season mid at the midway point is a question mark because the play in Alvin Gentry's system, it's more a question of conditioning hmm. rather than skill at this point. Coach Gentry led the NBA, and I played from before, in pace. So for those who don't know what pace is, it's how many shots you get up, how quickly you get into your offense. They led the NBA in pace, and I believe that's definitely something to be said for Zion Williamson. Why? Because for Zion to be good, and we both talk, it's going to be with pace and with yeah. speed. So he's in a, I don't want to, I mean, I, I, I mean, Rick, I would challenge, is he in the most ideal situation? I believe one of the best. Maybe San Antonio could be better. Uh, maybe a more experienced team where he can learn behind a, maybe him learning behind Anthony Davis would have been a lot better. Uh, I, I know it was good for Julius Randle. But ultimately, I like the position that he's in. I just don't know if he'll be what we thought. But we can't rule it out as quick as he jumps, how he, how fast he is. Drew Holiday, Lonzo Ball, that's a really, really good situation for him. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. 
So looking at the Western Conference right now, the Memphis Grizzlies are in that eighth spot. San Antonio is a half a game behind them. Portland is two games behind them, three games in the loss column. And do I have that right? Yes. And so I think those are Phoenix's Phoenix is lurking, but I just am not overwhelmed by Phoenix. Uh, New Orleans is then next at 17 and 27 uh, as we record this. That puts them, what, three and a half games out of the eighth spot. Who do you like as of right now? Who do you like grabbing that eighth spot? And do you see anything other than the eighth spot up for grabs? Uh, Oklahoma City is seventh at 25 and 19. Uh, I like Phoenix, man. You do. I like Phoenix, and you know, you, I mean, you know, you know, I've been talking about them for a while, but I, I just think they have the ingredients. I question health. Uh, if I'm going to put it in a player's hands, uh, I would say Ricky Rubio has to be special. That's that's kind of like why Ricky's there, right? So if I if I am going to say that somebody has to be good with that, it, that's who it's, that's who the question marks come around. Uh, does Ricky have the potential to do it? Yeah, we've seen him do it on an Olympic level. Uh, we saw him at, what, what was he, 16 years old playing against Team USA. Everybody's like, who is that kid? Uh, but I, I, I do I do like Ricky Rubio, Rick. For, forgive me, Rick. I'm a, I'm a Ricky Rubio fan, man. Yeah, I just there's I liked Phoenix at the beginning of the year. I liked how they changed their culture. I've just seen too many games where they couldn't close. They either couldn't hold on, or they couldn't uh, they couldn't come back. But that there's it feels like there's an element, and I would probably say the element missing is leadership. Devin Booker is their best player, but he's a quiet leader, and I don't know where else that's coming from with this team. Monty Williams obviously has put a huge imprint on this, and I think a lot of the team looks toward him. I'm always a little nervous when it comes to if you're talking about making the playoffs where the team looks to the coach to get it done. I need somebody who's on the floor who's going to take the reins when when necessary. So that's where I don't like Phoenix. Uh, it's, it's, it's hard for me to believe that Memphis, as young as they are, is going to hold on. It would be quite the accomplishment if they did. I still like Portland – or San Antonio, and probably Portland. If you if Yusuf, whoa, 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 hold on. So Portland is out right now. Portland is out right now. Oh, Portland's got it. Let's not even talk about Phoenix. Portland's got it. Forgive me, Rick. <laughs> I want to pay True stop. Hey. Okay. How many times have we seen this story from Damian Lillard? Yeah. How many times have we seen this story from Damian Lillard? Well, and that... it's not. It's not just Damian, but like they're missing Nurkic and they're missing Zach Collins right now. I know, but I'm saying historically, we and I've been there in the locker rooms, and we go, man, Portland's not really that good, man. They're they're not that good. Uh, we, you know, we're tired of Portland. You know, they 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 are who we thought they were, and Portland finds ways to win games. They're a team that always gets hot on the second half of the season, and we know Dame hasn't looked great, CJ hasn't looked great, but now this is a team that can absolutely get hot at the right time. Yeah. So I can't not look at that team and look at Lillard's past history 
and say, man, we have to, we have to give this guy credit. I absolutely, Rick, in my heart of hearts, put Portland in the playoffs. And they just picked up Trevor Ariza. Now, is he the same Trevor Ariza? I don't know. But guys like Trevor Ariza are going to be, played, be able to play at a high level for a very long time. Would not surprise me if they're the team that's in there. And I, and I, w- I would put my bottom dollar behind Portland getting hot. See, there's a big part of me that wants to say San Antonio and Portland are going to make it in and Oklahoma City and Memphis are ultimately going to fall out. Now, Oklahoma City's got to fall fairly far, and they do have veteran experience. They have a nice blend. They have a chip on their shoulder because everybody counted them out. I still don't know as far as the trade deadline will tell us a lot about what they're thinking in Oklahoma City, whether they're content to just hang on and get a playoff spot or whether they want to continue their rebuild and move guys like Danilo Gallinari in order to get uh, picks and build build for the future to get assets as opposed to going and trying to acquire a player to solidify their, their playoff chances. I don't know which direction they're going to go. I'm hoping to find that out in uh, in the next couple of days. Wasn't able to get that done before the podcast so yeah I'm, I, it's it's hard for me for the same reason that you talked about Portland it's hard for me to look at San Antonio and say they're not going to find a way to put it together simply because they always have they have veteran player they too have a nice blend and I I just I, I if you're asking me I'm going Greg Popovich versus Billy Donovan who's ultimately going to get it done I'm probably going to side with the coach with all those rings, even yeah, though the I, I, circumstance look, is different. I'm not big on writing that team off, but ultimately, I think San, San Antonio is looking for the right trigger to pull to blow that thing up. I, you know what? And I can't disagree with you. I, I like I could very easily see them trading a Demar Derozan to Miami. Uh, for you know one of their young picks and maybe a future pick because I believe Pat as good as, as nice a surprise as the Miami Heat are I think Pat looks at the Eastern Conference and says if I get one more like legit stud veteran player we could we could do some damage like who's to say we can't make a run but I think they definitely need one more Tyler Harrow Duncan Robinson Kendrick Nunn as good as they've been. I'm not riding them with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo and going to a championship. I'm just not. I need another, you know, and I've heard, I think there was somebody reported, like there's been discussion about LaMarcus Aldridge and uh, DeMar DeRozan. I don't think it's both of them, but one or the other conversation between Miami and, and San Antonio. But wherever it comes from, and I hear Miami's interested in Iguodala as well. So I, I just, but I, I believe that Miami is very much in go mode right now and they're going to try to get something uh, ultimately get something done one of the other teams we have to talk about and we don't we didn't talk about them falling out they're in the sixth spot right now the Houston Rockets uh, as we record this they've lost four in a row but there's just uh, there's so much that I don't like about them right now and I don't see where it's going to get appreciably better in fact the odds to me are greater that it's going to fall apart then it's going to be that they're going to find a way to harness Westbrook and Harden at the same time. I just, I've always been a Westbrook fan, but 
he continues to be a really inefficient, inconsistent player. And I don't know. It's not because he's trying to dominate the ball or because he's trying to. He's he's playing with blinders on. I just don't think he has the requisite ability. This is hard for me to say because I always thought it was just a matter of desire, maturity. I'm not sure he has the requisite understanding to meld his best with the best of others. It's all or none. You're going to get all Russell Westbrook coming at you 100 miles an hour, getting the job done or not getting the job done, or you're going to get Russell Westbrook trying to be the facilitator and handing it over to Paul George as he did last year for the most part. But finding that blend, which to me is the key, I just, I've lost my confidence that Russ is going to find it. Yeah, I mean, it's tough because Russ's skill development has seemed to halter. And um, when you look at Houston, I don't necessarily put it on Russell Westbrook. I put it on James Harden. And we know when James Harden gets into a slump, uh, things are really tough for them. Um, When you look at James Harden's slump, I have faith he'll get out of it, but it's intriguing that this man has, in a sense, been on fire for a year and a half. And for a guy whose go-to move is a step-back three-point jumper, I'm enamored that he hasn't had this slump a lot sooner, Rick. Hmm. That really is surprising and impressive to me. As far as Westbrook, I think they've got their... You know, I think they've got their deal where, you know, Russell Westbrook is the guy in transition Mm. where they're going, hey, it's your show. It's your show. Do what you need to do in transition. Right. But if we can't get it, can't get it off the break, then we're we're rolling it to James. And James hasn't been on. Yeah. Am I in love with that style of play? No. But Rick, tell me if you're the Lakers or Clippers that the team that you don't want to see in the first or second round is the Houston Rockets. Absolutely not. Yeah. Abs- absolutely not. There's there's no way that you would be favorable in that matchup or want to see them because there's such a boomer bust potential there <laughs> that it can really just drive you crazy. Yeah, no, it's true, especially for an exp- if you if you're not a altogether if you're not experienced collectively as a playoff team. Like the, mm-hmm. the Warriors were always able to figure it out and outlast them, but they had a collective, intuitive knowledge where that boom and bust, they were they were mentally prepared to deal with that up and down. The Clippers and the Lakers have players who are used to that, but they don't have a unit that's used to that. They don't have a group collectively that they can put out there that says – We'll roll with that. We're good. We're good. Because they, they've never been there. They've never had to – they've never overcome them, and they've never had one of those deep runs where they go, hey, we got this. We've, we've seen it. The, the Warriors, that was the beauty of the Warriors, is by the time they got to, to last year, in spite of everything else breaking down, there's nothing they hadn't seen. Rick, let me ask you this. How much did the Warriors practice? Like when they were like when they were rolling, kind of like you said, you could call a play. They go out and like, how much did they honestly practice out, out there? Hey, they they there was more treatment than practice. 
And that's unreal. That that just comes with time and, and chemistry and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, for a team, honestly, to like never practice, like that's that's a, I don't want to say it's unheard of. I've been on experience team with Pierce and Garnett and those guys, but that's a different level that you get to. And it, it's funny. We're always trying to figure out how do you win a championship? How do you win a championship? What do you do? What do you do? What point do you get to? And it's a veteran squad. Uh, I, you know, it is funny. You talk about the Lakers. They have that essentially. I don't want to say it's all the way there with Frank Vogel. Uh, but I was talking to, uh, gosh, what's the, what's the, uh, my, my guy, man, the point guard's name, uh, Troy Daniels. Troy Daniels like, man, we rarely practice. <laughs> yeah, we we rarely practice, and that comes with having a veteran squad, having guys like Jared Dudley, who step in and do what they need to do. I I I wonder, Rick, if Houston is to the point where they barely practice, or they don't, you know, they're not necessarily going over places. Has you know, has uh, have all the plays been put in, all the sets in? I mean, you you got to think as a coach, if you don't have your sets and plays in, and you get to a point in the game where you need it and you don't have it there, I, I don't know what's there with Mike D'Antoni because Westbrook's still such an integral piece and he's very new to the squad. Yeah. Well, D'Antoni's never been a big practice guy, like ever. So, I mean, regardless of the team, from what I know. And it's funny because Trevor Ariza, when he went, one of the, one of the reasons why it, it didn't work in Phoenix, and I would dare say it didn't work in Sacramento for Trevor, is because he had such a run in Houston. He's be, he's he's been viewed as one of those vets that you bring in to mentor the younger guys. Well, Trevor, I, I don't know that Trenter, uh, Trevor's a mentor type, and he spent so much time in Houston, and he's going to come into a young team, and he's going to say, you know, if 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 you got a coach who's grinding on a team. Trevor's going to be like, oh, we never practiced, like in Houston. And so what happens is the stars of the team are thinking, well, wait a minute, I'm, I'm a star. Like, why am I practicing or why are we practicing that hard if the Rockets were, you know, going to the conference finals and winning all these games and doing everything that they've done? And, and like, we have to practice a lot more than, than they do? Like, the, the formula success isn't necessarily practicing. And so, yeah, nah. <laughs> right? Uh, so yeah. you got to be careful. Like when you say you're going to go get a veteran, it depends on what kind of veteran. Not every veteran is built to be a mentor, right? Yeah. They may, they may be mentoring or they, the message they might be sending is not the one you necessarily want sent to your, your younger players. Like, you know, practice is overrated. Because with some teams, they, they, young teams, they need to practice. That's why San Antonio is always as good. That's why Miami overachieves. Because those are teams that believe in their young guys are going to practice. They might sit their vets. The vets might only do a couple reps, but they're not the team's not taking time off. They're gonna get some work in. No, you're right, you're right about that. I've seen both scenarios, and it does take a different type of veteran to hop in. Uh, and that's another reason I like Portland. Trevor Reza, I think. You know, if you're getting a lot out of Carmelo, I think it tells me that Trevor Rees is going to be able to definitely find a home there. Uh, and and sometimes guys, you know, Rick, we're really easy to write off a guy and say his numbers are down, he's not very good. You know, we saw that viral clip of Trevor missing like eight threes to essentially win a game. But, 
you know, you were the first one of the first guys that looked at that situation. It was like they kind of used it as a write-off. Like, well, if we have to use the money, we're going to spend it. And, and Trevor's with my guy, one of my former teammates. So, man, I couldn't be happier that, you know, somebody, uh, you know, a guy like Trevor got paid in that scenario and now gets to hit the market. And and if you're a young guy and you see what Trevor Ariza did, take notes. Take the money. Get traded later. Take the money. Get traded later. Take the money. Don't wait, Right. Yeah, you know one of the other the other problem the reason a reason makes a lot of sense, and we'll see exactly what he has left at what age thirty four, I believe thirty three thirty four is the Blazers just haven't been the same other than losing Zach and Nurkic, and obviously that's a lot. But Rodney Hood had kind of found a place at the small forward spot, and when he went out, now you were trying to make Kyle Bazemore fit there, and he can't. He's he's just not strong enough to play against the best threes, and you need that. Like the best three, especially in the West, you got Kawhi, you got LeBron. In the East, you got uh, Giannis. Like that's a position where you have to have a guy, like a quality, solid six eight defensive type guy, and that's where I think Trevor's going to help them a lot. It's just no no offense against to Bays. He's just he's a little too light, and uh, you know. Defense, in particular, is not his calling. It was just he was overmatched, and they were overmatched that position on a regular basis. So you know, you know, it's funny in harmony with what you just said. So uh, amongst me and you know Perks kind of battles, we start talking about Toronto, and I said they're too young. Everybody gets up and on. Hey, they're too young. Too young. So they're too young. What, what do you mean? They got Mark Gasol. Ibaka, Lowry, that's a really veteran team. They're young at the positions that you need. If you're going to come out the Western or the Eastern Conference, you've got to have those big wings. You've got to have those big fours. What do I mean? Who is going to go out and guard Giannis Antetokounmpo? Serge Ibaka, a couple possessions. Siakam, I don't want to get in foul trouble. Uh, Boucher is too young. OG and Anubi, we hadn't really seen OG have a good playoff series yet. So when I look at that position, I'm very quick to say too young. Much, much too young. You get you get what I'm saying? And yeah, in harmony with what you're saying, I, I say you need age at that position. Except, except, and I think you're not uh, accounting for Pascal Siakam, who I think athletic. No, no, no. I account for Pascal. I just say Pascal can't guard Giannis because he's so important to their offense. I got Offensively, you. they revolve around him. He can't guard him. The same way Giannis doesn't always necessarily guard the best player on the other team. Why? Because Giannis can get in foul trouble. That's why Lopez is so important. Mark Gasol, you're going to question the body. Offensively, Mark is the, one of the smartest guys I've ever played with. But defensively, I, I got to see where he's at. Yeah. You know, it's going to be more of a Serge Ibaka series, but I, I, you, you don't, you need four and five guys to guard the LeBrons, the Kawhis, the Giannis's, the Embiid's. It will certainly be interesting. Uh, there's, there's some work to be done. Uh, you know, by the way, you know where else I get my work done? On my spin bike. And you know how I get it done? 
using an app called Cyclecast. Yeah, that's right. And I know you've used it, although you <laughs> I don't think you've been on the bike. You've just you you do the the running programs, which be be patient with me. I'm a runner. Uh, and and I used to be, and now thanks to my uh, my knees and my hips, I am now more of a uh, a biker and a surfer. So, but we have a deal for you. I Cyclecast. It's a an app that provides studio quality classes for both indoor cycling and running workout workouts. Running workouts indoor and outdoor. Uh, they give you great instructors. They got great beats. If you need some motivation. And it's it's a ridiculously low subscription price per month. I mean, it's embarrassingly low. If you use it, if you use it twice a week, you'll it'll be pennies on the dollar. But we're going to give it to you for free. The seven day free trial is extended to a full five weeks if you use the promo code Bucher B U C H E R. This is an app that fits on your iOS or Android phone. It uses minimal battery and data. You can use it on any kind of bike. And as I said, the programs for running are both indoor and outdoor. Uh, Cyclecast, I I just love it, especially since I travel. I can take it with me. I'm in a hotel down in L.A. right now. I will be going down to the bike and hooking it up. So it's Cyclecast, C-Y-C-L-E-C-A-S-T. Don't forget to use the promotional code, Bucher, B-U-C-H-E-R. Cyclecast, you're going to love where this app takes you. All right. So, with that said, are you so who's your and we're going to have Kendrick Perkins on. We're going to bring this this my guy, this, man. Yeah, we're going to bring this beef live to the podcast. But I just as of right now, are you all in on the Milwaukee Bucks? Who is your team coming out of the Eastern Conference? It's definitely Milwaukee. Uh I look at matchups. You know, I'm always being a believer in matchups and versatility. And I, I look at uh, Philadelphia. I say, well, who's going to close? And then I say, who's going to guard Giannis? And Ben Simmons doesn't quite match up with Giannis well. We haven't seen it. Uh, Joel and B, they've tried to deal where B guards him and he kind of like just sits back in the paint. Uh, he's had 50 on him. And the last time they played Christmas Day, uh, Giannis fell in love with the three ball. And I don't think that Giannis is going to come back. Um, so ultimately, uh, those are the reasons that I favor Milwaukee coming out of the East. Uh, I think Toronto at the positions that will have to guard him are too young, as we talked about earlier. Um, Indiana, I, I got to see who Oladipo is coming back. I hope he's good. I hope he's healthy. I think it, it, that's just big for the game of basketball. Um, so we'll have to see there, uh, but that's why I'm, I'm just I'm a really big Milwaukee guy right now. I, I I believe it's Giannis's year, man. It's hard to argue with the way they've played, the depth that they have. I still, it gives me pause that I haven't seen Giannis operate in a lot of half court sets below the free throw line, and that's an element that I think is going to be important. You know, it's, it, it, it worries me in the same way it did when the Rockets were blowing everybody out and running away. It's like, that's not the kind of practice your particular team needs to prepare for the playoffs because I, I need to see them in need situations, possession by possession situations, and winning games that way. And because of their depth and their versatility and just how good they are, they're not getting a whole lot of practice at that during the regular season. And yet I think that's what they need most. I also believe I'm, – so I'm sticking with Toronto. I had them at the beginning of the year. 
I hear you in, in terms of the youth. I believe honestly that any team that's going to beat Giannis in Milwaukee isn't going to do it with one guy. It's going to be how they work collectively to make it difficult for him to read situations. How much they confuse their defense keeps them off balance and has him searching and trying to figure out what am I supposed to do between attack and distribute. And Toronto's experience and I, I just I believe that they have an edge when it comes to that and we'll see ultimately without Kawhi if they can reach that same same level defensively. All right. That does it for this episode of Buker and Holland, subsidiary of Buker and Friends, part of the United Wecast Network. Uh, please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. And then if you want us to do you a favor, uh, screenshot that review and send it to at Buker Friends and you will be eligible to win some prizes. In the next podcast, I will be joined, as I have been for the last couple of weeks, by a special guest. It will not be Kendrick Perkins. We'll be saving him for next week because we got to have Ryan and Kendrick on at the same time. I may just sit back with, with a bowl of popcorn and enjoy the show, uh, but we will have a special guest, and that will be coming up in the next pod. In the meantime, for Ryan and myself, as always, thanks for listening. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.